I've been with Daryl Summers too long. I've got a dicky knee. <laughs> boom, boom. Where's the bass drum? Okay. <laughs> well, good morning. I trust you feel a warm welcome that's already been shared with you by um, our team so far. And um, this morning, I want to say to you, most people would understand that the Christian church is simply a collection of people who follow Jesus. But what else makes the church different from other groups of people in society? And this, as Steve said, is the second week in the series entitled Weird and Wonderful. Last week was weird. This week will be wonderful. <laughs> we are taking a deeper look into four common activities of Christ's followers some of the biggies uh, that we have participated in throughout ages and around the world. Those things that we're going to look at uh, to the outsider may seem weird, but for us inside would seem wonderful. And we're taking a look at this weird and wonderful thing that we know as the church under the four headings, church last week, communion today, baptism and tithing some of the biggies. This is the second week and it's uh, the topic communion. And communion at its most simple meaning is simply sharing. Uh, but it has, the, when it's um, conducted as part of a church service or a part of a fellowship, uh, its alternative names are sometimes the Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, and in some churches, uh, the Eucharist from the Greek meaning thanksgiving. Because of COVID, we now receive the elements in a, a little pack that's sealed for your protection. And uh, if you didn't get one of these as you came in and, and you would like to participate later on in uh, this time, simply raise your hand and, and somebody from the door there with a packet of them will make sure that you get one. So. Please do, feel free to do that at any stage. Yes, yeah, so because of COVID, it's all, all in the sealed pack. A little wafer on the top and a cup of long life grape juice. That actually doesn't taste like grape juice, does it? Anyway, it's, it's safe and it keeps going. Do you remember BC, that time in history? BC, before COVID? We used to have aluminium trays. We've still got them, but there was aluminium trays and there were individual plastic cups around the rim with grape juice and uh, then a central little plate with pieces of the broken bread biscuit in there. And we simply passed those along the row so that everybody could share in communion. And sometimes we had stations around the auditorium where we gathered as smaller groups. And uh, sometimes people take communion in their connect group as well. And uh, it's a, a, sh a sharing. Bread, or wafer, and a cup of juice. Bread and the cup. Why? Last week I said that we need to remind ourselves that our heritage, our foundation, our beginnings are deeply and distinctly biblical, coming directly from God's word, where we find real people, real events and real places. 
And I've been to some of those places. I was privileged in the late 90s to go on a trip to Israel with a group of pastors. And as we travelled around the holy sites, the sites where events were understood to have happened from the biblical times, uh, it was a real eye-opener and a real experience that I privileged and has stuck with me ever since. And one night we were staying in the city of Tiberias, which is the largest city right on the edge of the lake, Galilee, Sea of Galilee. And uh, we had nothing planned for that evening, so the, the trip organiser took us to a, uh, a thing called the Jerusalem Time Elevator 4D experience. That takes, took longer to say than it actually did, but the 4D elevator experience. And we were ushered into this little theatre, but we noticed at the door it said, if you've got a weak heart, please don't enter. Should have woken up then. <laughs> and if you suffer from vertigo, please don't come in. Anyway, most of us were game, and we went in and we sat on these groups of four seats, which I noticed as I was sitting down had hydraulic rams under them. And I thought, Hello. And it reminded me immediately of those simulators that the pilots train in, you know, where you've got the, ca the um, uh, cockpit of the plane simulated and set up in there and, and, and the thing tips and moves in response to the controls that the pilots are using so that they get a real simulation. Real simulation? They get a real experience of a simulated flight. And... Uh, so when we went in, we sat in these seats and then immediately this very graphic film started showing on a screen, not all that far in front of us. It was very loud. And we went down through the time to the bottom of Jerusalem's history as we saw the experiences of history as it unfolded for Jerusalem and uh, the walls being destroyed and we were going down, 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 down through this dungeon. And as that screen went, so did we on the seats. And we were moving around and we were hanging on and, and it was quite scary. Today, we're going back in time too. So hang on to your seats. They might just move. So we're going to drop down now some 1970 years to about AD 50, Anno Domini. Anno Domini, not after Davirus. That comes later. Some... Some 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. And Paul, uh, the, the context here in 1 Corinthians is that Paul is writing to one of the churches that he's planted in the city of Corinth and he's heard that things have got a bit out of hand in the way they're doing things, particularly with communion. And the practice was that they met in homes uh, and because they didn't have church buildings and they were certainly weren't allowed in the synagogue most of the time. And uh, they were to share a meal together and then they would share communion together. And the problem has arisen that some people were getting there early and getting stuck into the food and not sharing it and some people were not coming with food and were going hungry and, and it was just this disharmony that was occurring and little heaven forbid some were even getting drunk on the communion wine. And so that first part of that letter in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul rips into them about what they're doing. And then he says this to them. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. 
Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Paul was reminding the Corinthian church the practice that Jesus had instituted at the Last Supper for them to follow. And the key thing that comes out of that is that Paul, Jesus uses this phrase, this is the new covenant, and he's t- taking the cup and he says, this is the new covenant in my blood. And uh, the fact that he says this is new covenant implies that there was an old covenant. And uh, a covenant is simply a contract between, usually between two parties. And uh, when God is one of those parties, it's a pretty serious deal. In fact, God looked at the old covenant he had with the children of Israel as a marriage contract between himself and Israel. And it was conditional and bilateral, both sides, uh, that God made with them. And uh, they were required to obey God, the law he'd given them. And uh, his side of it was God would give them protection and bless them. What we refer to as the old covenant or old agreement is another way of describing it, required continual blood sacrifices to temporarily cleanse the people of their sin, both individually and tribally and as a people of Israel. And the priests offered animal sacrifices. There was just continual barbecues happening. And uh, there were burnt offerings, grain offerings, sin offerings, fellowship offerings, guilt offerings. And in the book of Leviticus, which simply means of the Levites, it's the uh, third book in the uh, Old Testament, it sets out a list of how they are to do those things to honour God. Now, we've gone back in time, but we've got further to go back, so hang on to your seats. Back another 115 years we go, down, down, down. And the context here is that the children of Israel have been in Egypt for a number of years now, and they're in slavery. And uh, God is preparing them to rescue them in what we know as the Exodus. And uh, in Exodus chapter 12, we read these things. And look, with this reading, if you feel comfortable, it would, might help you to close your eyes so that you can actually imagine yourself there and the words will come more alive for you in, in your understanding of it. So only if you feel comfortable doing that. So I read Exodus chapter 12, first 14 verses. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt... This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the community of Israel that at the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbour, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. And you may take them from the sheep or the goats. 
take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water but roasted over the fire, heads, legs, inner parts. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate, celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Blood on doorposts. God passed over them. Hence the name Passover. The blood of the lamb on the doorposts saved them. The blood of the lamb saved them. Why blood? Well, if we were to read back in uh, the book of Leviticus, as I said before, is the instruction for the Levites. In chapter 17, verse 11, God says to them, for the life of a creature is in the blood and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. An atonement is simply the act of showing you're sorry for doing something wrong in the past. And blood was always connected with this kind of thing in the Bible and with mankind. Blood was always connected in covering up of sin. Remember when Adam and Eve after eating of the fruit and discovering their mind was opened and they realised they didn't have any clothes on and uh, that brought shame on them between themselves, God provided animal skins for them as coverings. And to do that, animals had to die. Blood had to be shed to cover their sin. Atonement is... I like to call it at one at one with God. And it isn't possible without the shedding of blood. Not possible at all. And at the end of that reading, God said to them, this is to be a lasting ordinance. In other words, it's to be something you observe regularly, continually, down through the ages. And this led to a remembrance feast the festival of Passover or unleavened bread. Now we're going forward in time. Hang on. Forward 1,420 years. Is the seat shaking? Floor up here is moving. Jesus was devoutly Jewish. I think we often forget that. I think we Westerners see him as a 
white skin, but he was devoutly Jewish. And as a Jew, he celebrated Passover every year. You remember the story in the Bible when he was just a young boy or 12, he was becoming accepted as a, a man in Jewish uh, society. He got left behind in Jerusalem when his family were there at Passover and they left and didn't realise he was missing for a day or two because they were travelling in a caravan. Well, not a caravan, it was more like a camper van <laughs> together. <laughs> One of those accounts of the Passover that Jesus would have observed is like this. In Luke 22, in uh, chapter seven, uh, verses 7 to 20, and this is describing the last Passover that Jesus celebrated with his disciples. But let's have the background as well. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished, and make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfilment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink it again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. The new covenant in my blood. The new covenant replacing the old covenant. Then after that, celebration together shortly he was nailed to a cross in our place if the Bible tells us he took upon himself our sin and nailed it to the cross he paid the price for our sin he redeemed us is a word that's used he bought us back is what it literally means he paid the price and in so doing, doing, he delivered us from the penalty of sin. And we describe that as he atoned for us. A couple of weeks ago, Sandy, in introducing communion, said the sin issue, the sin issue has been totally dealt with by Jesus. Totally dealt with by Jesus. The issue of any sin that hinders our relationship with God has been totally dealt with by Jesus. Jesus' last words on the cross, it is finished. 
And he wasn't talking about his life per se. He was talking about the task of redemption. He'd accomplished it. It is finished. Let's come forward now and are elevated to the time, the present time, the year 2022 or 2022. So now we can approach this memorial feast for ourselves. It's only now a time of remembering and celebration because it is finished. The task has been done. The sin issue has been totally dealt with. We don't have to put the blood of a lamb on the doorposts. Jesus is the lamb without blemish. The Bible describes him as the sinless son of God. And his blood was poured out for us on the cross. No more animal sacrifices. Jesus stood in for us and his once and for all sacrifice is sufficient. All we have to do now is remember. And remembering in this way is one of the biggies of what sets us apart from other organisations in the community. Communion is a big deal. And the invitation is extended to all who acknowledge that Jesus Christ died for them in order to set them free. Paul, in that reading in from 1 Corinthians, said, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's why it's a biggie. It's a proclamation awaiting Jesus' return. And so we take symbols, very small symbols, simple symbols, insignificant symbols, any other S you can think of, little piece of wafer symbolising Christ's body broken for us and a little cup of grape juice to symbolise the blood he shed for us on the cross. That new covenant is made, that new covenant. is a simple reenactment that we have and it's a time to examine our experience and the continuing story of the death and resurrection of Jesus. So we're going to remember now. And if you're participating online, you might like to pause your play there and locate a, a cup of juice of some sort or water even and a piece of biscuit and uh, invite everybody else here to uh, locate their communion. And remember, if you didn't receive one as you came in, simply raise your hand and somebody will get one to you. I'm going to give thanks for the bread and then we'll take that together. And then I'm going to give thanks for the cup and we might drink that together. Let me pray. Father God, I take this insignificant little piece of wafer but the importance and the remembrance that's encapsulated in that is huge it's one of the biggies and I take it and I know that it's not going to satisfy my hunger in any way physically but Lord thankfully spiritually it renews my um, acceptance and 
thankfulness to you for what you've done for me through your death on the cross. And so, Lord, I take this and I eat in thankfulness. for this little cup of juice. It's not going to quench my thirst, but it reminds me so powerfully of the blood that you shed for me on, my, on your cross, given willingly to redeem me, given willingly to atone for my sin and make it possible for me to enter into your kingdom. So I take this and I drink it in thankfulness. Amen. I'd like to invite the band to return to the stage if they're not already there. Not only is now for remembering, but it's also for looking forward to a future time. We've been down through the past, way down through the past, and we've come back up to the present, and now we're going to the future, looking forward to the future. Jesus said, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. See, Jesus has not yet celebrated Passover in heaven. He doesn't need to remember as we do. I like to think he has the scar of the nail prints in his hand and on his side the, the wound of the, of the spear. But he is waiting for all his people to be gathered to him, the book of Revelation tells us. Then there will be a great supper. Make communion look like a blink of an eye. And it's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Remember I alluded to the contract, the covenant between God and his people as a marriage contract? His marriage contract is now with the church, us, and there's going to be, when we get there, there's going to be this great big marriage supper of the Lamb. And in Revelation 19:9, John writes, Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. You are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Will you accept that invitation, that invitation that Jesus printed himself by going to the cross? This is the fulfillment in the kingdom of God that Jesus longs for. Jesus longs for his church to be with him in the kingdom. Let me pray.
Father God, I look forward to that day and uh, I guess I can't disguise my eagerness to wanting that, to being able to be there, to be able to learn how to sing at last, and to share in the marriage supper of the Lamb, to share with the saints of old. Boy, Lord, that's going to be some time. And we've got eternity to experience that. And the question, I guess your word asks each of us this morning, are we going to go? Are we going to accept the invitation? Are we going to be there for the marriage supper of the Lamb?